Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. A reading from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 1 to 2. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be, be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Good morning, everyone. Had a good morning so far, haven't we? Haven't had a lot of goosebumps these days. It's been too hot, but that song, The Goodness of God, gives me goosebumps. It's a good song. And then hearing you guys pray to the God, Father, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit. What a good, good experience. So we have been talking about the commands of Jesus. So a few months ago, Ben emailed me a list that he had of the, of the commands. And I, w I probably got a quarter of the way through, and I thought, oh, these are really hard. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> but the one that wouldn't leave my brain was the one that we're going to study today in Matthew 5:48, And it says, be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Hmm. 
Well, it was easy for me to read this, of course, out of context, and go to the extreme. One extreme might be to throw up my hands and say, well, that's impossible, I give up. What's the point? The other extreme might be to soften those words, kind of maneuver, find a way out and say, well, Jesus didn't really mean that. So I decided that I really needed to study that. I'm no expert on this section of scripture or the original language or historical context, but this morning I do offer my meditations and, I, and my thoughts as we explore together what this command might, might mean. So we're going to first start in the context of Matthew 5. So if you have your Bible, I ask you to open it. We're going to then look specifically at Matthew 5, 43 through 48. And then we're going to conclude with another passage in Matthew that's an example of Jesus, again, using the word perfect. So again, we're going to start in Matthew 5. And we're going to start with an overview. So what is the context of this command? I'm sure you guys know. Some of you have even memorized it. The Sermon on the Mound. Bear with me as we briefly summarize this teaching, commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mound. The teaching starts in verse 1, when Jesus sets the tone with ways the disciples are blessed or the ways that they're favored. For example, he says, you are favored when you mourn. You are favored when you are persecuted. What a strange way to look at the world. Verses 13 through 16, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Hmm, these are really lofty statements. Verses 17 through 20, Jesus then tells them that he wasn't there just to throw out everything that they've heard. He says, I'm not here to abolish the law or the prophets. I'm here to complete, to fulfill them. So remember that word as we go along this morning, complete. Jesus then furthers this idea by stating in verse 20 that the listener's righteousness should surpass those of the Pharisees. James Montgomery Boyce states in his commentary on the book of Matthew, now from verse 21 to the end of the chapter, Jesus explains what this righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law is like. And then from verse 21 to 48, he shows them the ways in which they would fulfill the law. And he includes us in those ways. The pattern goes, you have heard it said, but I tell you. And here we are at verse 43. So I had to include this. It's rather appropriate for these past days, isn't it? <laughs> So if you've wondered what the context of what this was, we'll, we'll get to that. So here we are finally at 5, Matthew 5, 43 through 48. And if you follow along in your Bibles, verse 43, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. J.R. a few weeks ago taught on forgiveness and loving enemies, which was a really good and a really hard, challenging teaching, wasn't it? Enemies here carry the idea of a foe, someone who actively desires another one's hurt, either a collective enemy or an individual enemy. So who would have been their collective enemy? The Romans, more than likely. Who are, who's our collective enemy? I don't know. Dare I ask, who's our individual enemies? 
So in verse 44, it says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So here we are back to this pattern. You have heard it said, but I tell you the idea of Jesus fulfilling the law in another way. Before we get to the challenges in this phrase, let's address the motivational question for this. Why love your enemies? Why pray for those who persecute you? Well, in verse 45, it says that you may be children of your father in heaven. Might this be a reflection of what was earlier in chapter 5 in verse 9? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. What does peace mean? Harmony, wholeness, completeness? Ah, there's that word again, completeness. Continuing verse 45, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I was thinking about this statement this past week as I was concerned about my tomato plants and I'm sure your gardens. Of course, I can only imagine the importance of water and rain for the original hearers. We will not starve if our tomato plants don't survive. I can easily turn on the outside hose to water. But back to the original audience, would they want the rain to fall on the crops of their oppressors, the Romans, so they could eat? Given a lot more questions than answers. <laughs> it's like Jesus. So verse 46, if you only love those who love you, what reward will you get? Here's some more questions. Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Verse 47, and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do that? Dare I paraphrase and say, do not even those who have different values than us do that? challenging, isn't it? <laughs> this is challenging stuff. And then here we come to the phrase, the command, be perfect, therefore, just as your heavenly father is perfect. Okay, well, let's look at that word perfect. Perfect here is teleos. Teleos is to be rounded, to be whole, complete maturity. Oh, here, you guys can read that. The tense here also indicates that it will happen, that there is no doubt that it will happen. It's a similar vein as in Paul writes in Philippians 1.6, the God that began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. There's that word again, complete. Harry Ironside writes, this is perfection in the sense of the complete absence of partiality. Thus imitating God, who is no respecter of person, but who lavishes God's favors upon the just and the unjust alike. I think that we can say that this command is not just the individualistic idea of a moral perfection or doing the right things with a superior attitude. Rather, in relation to this whole passage, the goal is to be whole complete for others, to show the same love as God has shown us. And if we understand the word perfect to mean complete, mature, then could it be that when we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, we are becoming complete and mature like our heavenly father? Well, what's the evidence that one is complete and whole and mature? 
Some of the other translations I think that helped me um, as, as I was reading through this was um, the first one, yeah, Jerusalem Bible says, you must not set bounds to your love. The message translation says, live generously and graciously towards others, the way God lives towards you. And then you, therefore, must be perfect, growing into complete maturity, godliness and mind and character, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And just to spice things up a little, the parallel passage to this in Luke 6, which Dave and Marcia read this morning, uses the phrase, be merciful just as your Father is merciful, instead of be holy just as your Heavenly Father is holy. I think this might be an interesting thing to discuss in your house churches, so we won't get into it. But another paraphrase could be, show a mature, complete love, just like your Heavenly Father, by showing mercy to your enemies. Okay, so we've talked about a lot this morning, so let's review. We looked at the summary of the Sermon on the Mount. We then looked at perfect in the Greek word, teleos, which means to be whole, complete. There's that word again. We then define maturity as loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you and to have no bounds to your love. So now we're going to we're going to um, go in our Bible to Matthew 19, if you want to turn to there. And this is an example of Jesus using the word teleos again. Perfect. I'm going to read. Um, I'll start with verses 16 through 20. Matthew 19. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus said. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Well, which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 20, all these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? So let's stop there and look at this way. This very fascinating, inter fascinating interaction between them. There's a lot we could unpack, but let's focus on the various ways that Jesus responds. Verse 17, Jesus answers with the simple, keep the commandments. But this man's persistent. He wants to know the specifics. And in verse 20, I think this man could have stopped. He said, all of these I have kept. He could have walked away. But he continues and asks, what do I still lack? What am I missing? I wonder, what if this man had stopped and left after Jesus had recited all those commandments? Did he want to justify his actions? Did he feel something was lacking? Did he feel incomplete? Oh, there's that word again, complete. A similar passage to this is in Mark 10, 21, states that Jesus, looking at the man at this point in the conversation, has compassion for him. Then Jesus, beholding, beholding means to observe with pleasure. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, which can mean to be fond of, to delight in. So Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Isn't this love of God, this mature love of God, the source of our whole and complete life. So now back to Matthew, verse 21. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, 
sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Look at all those verbs and phrases that Jesus says to the man. Go, sell, give, will have, and follow. This isn't necessarily what the man was asking for. What did he ask for? Eternal life. But Jesus continues to be challenging and invites the man not only to ask for eternal life, but to a deeper life now. And you probably notice that Jesus uses the same idea of perfect. So to paraphrase, give up your possessions in order to be teleos, whole, complete. Talk about a challenging word from Jesus. So in verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Here are hints of the opportunity for being whole and not divided. This man feels torn because between giving up his stuff and following Jesus. And he walks away because the idea of selling all he has was too radical for him. I can relate to that. Verse 23, then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Again, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of interpretations of that idea of the camel going through the eye of a needle. But the idea is the same, as we'll see in this disciples' response in verse 25. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Verse 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So I know many of you have here have watched The Chosen. So if you haven't, please forgive me as I geek out a little bit on that. I wanted to watch the final episode of season two. I wanted to wait until I had personally reflect, reflected on this passage because I knew that episode was about the Sermon on the Mount. If you have seen it, then you will remember that in this final episode, Jesus and Matthew are talking about Jesus's upcoming teaching, which includes this. I'm paraphrasing, but Matthew tells Jesus, these teachings are really hard. These are really challenging. And Jesus says in his response, you might know this, I don't want passive followers. Jesus' commands are challenging but wholeness and completeness are the result of active engagement, not passive engagement. Jesus here isn't interested in passive followers, in mere kindness or social graces. Of course, I'm thankful for those, and I hope we continue with those. But Jesus here is inviting us to go deeper. Will I, will we dare to ask, we've done all those things. What do we lack? We know we're lacking something. How can we be mature, complete, and whole? Read the stories of Jesus in the Gospels. Meditate on his example. Devour the teachings of Jesus. Sit with God, aware of God beholding you and loving you. Live graciously towards others, even your enemies. Actively love your enemies by desiring their welfare. Pray for those who persecute you. In this way, you will set no bounds to your love, and then we will be called the children of God. Thanks be to God.
Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.